Third and four. Looks into the nickel of San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes coming the blue from the coat. Left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. That was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Gold Faithful. I am Brian Peacock. Over there is Nick Winkler. we got a good show lined up for you after just an awesome, dominating week one. How's it going, Nick? Oh, man. Well, that, that Kevin Harlan call never gets old. I could listen to that thing all day. And, and neither does watching the 49ers. What a game last night. I... Actually, I was talking with with a buddy midway through the third quarter when it kind of the game kind of slowed down a little bit, and and he said, "Oh, this is boring." And I'm just like, "Wait, you're a 49er fan? How is this boring? They're winning!" Oh, that, that wasn't boring at all for me. I could definitely see how somebody else and some ESPN ratings might have been taking a dip. And if you you weren't a fan of the Rams, or or actually, if you were a fan of the Rams too, but uh, <laughs> if you weren't a 49ers fan, that could have been a pretty boring game to watch. And I think you kind of heard that in Kevin Harlan's call there with a man on the field that he was trying to inject some pizzazz into that game because uh, even with the 49ers dominating, they were doing it in a fashion that was not necessarily TV-friendly. No, no, it definitely was not. But like I said, as a 49er fan, man, that's exactly what you want to see. Disciplined football. Defense looked great. Offensive line looked solid. I mean, they didn't even give up a sack to Blaine Gabbert. This this team, what, four for four in the red zone? I mean, I didn't see any delay of game penalties. They picked up first downs on third down. I mean, this is like the opposite of what we saw all last year. No doubt. And we have Grant Cohn of the Santa Rosa Press Democrat to talk to us a little bit later on what he thought of the 49ers and what's to come with the Carolina Panthers. And you said it, man, zero sacks, zero turnovers, zero penalties, just a flawless, brutally, just brutally dominant game in the trenches for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, they had the two penalties late. They were nearly meaningless at that point. Yeah, at the half, it was just domination at first downs was 16 to five. I mean, even the yards were 203 to 87 and you could just kind of take that and move it to the second half. And it's kind of almost the the same exact thing. I mean, you could see the 49ers definitely dial it back a little bit there in the third quarter, playing conservative with the 14-0 lead. Smart move. But you know what stood out to me the most in this game, which was the most exciting thing, it was that offensive line, man. Oh, I mean, the whole drama over the weekend with Anthony Davis. Is he going to retire again? Does he not, you know, is he going to quit because he's not a starter at tackle? And maybe now he's not the starter at guard and this and that. And then they come out and they just look dominant. I mean, Aaron Donald is one of the best defensive linemen in all of football. And when did you hear his name called last night? When he was throwing his helmet down? When he had his three personal foul penalties? I mean, they were definitely getting to these guys. And that was really fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're back in L.A. and they're the same old sorry-ass Rams. Aaron Donald, actually, he he had some penetration and uh, he didn't get any sacks, obviously. Nobody did. But um, if you look at the pro football focus numbers, and we kind of get into that a little bit, Joe Staley actually had the highest rating in the in the entire game. And he was the number one rated left tackle in football for week one. Uh, but actually, the lowest rated guy was Zane Beatles, and he was the one that was uh, man up with 
Aaron Donald for most of the night. So Daniel, Donald got some uh, got some wins one-on-one with Zane Beatles. That's absolutely for sure. And Beatles is a guy to monitor because uh, Garnett is sitting there right behind him, and, and we might see him overtake him very soon, as early as next week possibly. But um, at some point in the season, uh, Joshua Garnett's going to be starting probably at left guard unless something happens on the other side and there's an injury at right guard. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, talking about right tackle real quick, I mean, how good did Trent Brown look out there? He's huge, first of all. You mentioned Joe Staley. He checked out really well, as he always does. Daniel Kilgore, great to have him back in there, you know, to start the season. Definitely didn't have that last year. I I just fear that this is a repeat of 2015, when the Niners came out on Monday Night Football, wearing those black jerseys, dominated the Vikings. And then the Niners took a nosedive and the Vikings went on to win the NFC North. I mean, I get it. It's week one. Let's not get too excited. But at the same time, let's get a little bit excited. This offense looked efficient. The defense looked solid. The defense looked fast. That was really fun to see. Just swarming on Gurley. He didn't get anything going all night. No, we talked about it leading up last week, too, that we wouldn't have been surprised at all that it it turned out very similar to the, the Monday night opener last year and that we would have to temper our expectations after the 49ers were to win week one, uh, which they did. But the the way they did it was almost more impressive than last season. And one of the big things to me, and we had talked about this on the show, I wasn't surprised that they were able to stop the run. That was, that's been a strength, and it was the strength of the team last year on defense, but they were never able to get off the field on third downs. And that was not the case this week. And, you know, obviously Case Keenum was the quarterback on the other side. They don't have a ton of weapons on offense aside from from Gurley, but they do have Tavon Austin and just the 49ers bottled him up everywhere. A lot of good coverage from Jimmy Ward and Brock and even the rookie over there. It, it was it was a really all-around effort, a team effort, and it was so fun to see. And that third down defense really is what sealed it for me. That that was really fun to see. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, they they held the Rams to three for 15 on third down conversions. And on the flip side, the Niners were eight of 17. So it was just so great to see that. Gabbert he looked, you know, he, his passes, he missed, he missed a few. He got away with a couple too, a couple that should have been intercepted, would have killed some drives. But at the same time, when he scrambled, he scrambled for four first downs on third downs. One of those, they, they took the penalty instead, but he had already gotten past the line, the, the line to gain. So he was using his feet when he needed to. He, he was rushing. He, what did he get? 40 something yards on, on nine or 10 carries. I mean, he had 43 yards of, yeah. of over 91. It, it was it was really fun to watch Blaine Gabbert run this offense. And can I just for a second take a minute to thank Jeremy Curley for coming to this football team? <laughs> Dude, I mean, come on, this guy, every time they needed a big catch, this guy made it. Seven catches, sixty-one yards. And and he was just eleven targets. I mean, they this guy just basically signed off the street a couple weeks ago. I don't know what it says about Curley or what it says about the 49ers or the players that were already here or maybe Chip's system. It's going to take a few games to figure out why Curley just could could walk in and and be such a, a key player in, in the first yeah. week of the season. Yeah, seven catches on 11 targets. He was by, he, was, he had twice as many targets as anybody else. Torrey Smith, two catches. Actually, he was tar- targeted six times, so a little bit over half, uh, but only two catches. A couple of them were bounced to him from, from Blaine Gabbert <laughs> and... Yeah, Gabbert, he, he rushed well, nine carries for 43 yards. For most of the game, he had more rushing yards than Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley did overtake him at the end of the game. He had a 47 yards on 17 carries for a 2.8 average. So, But Gabbert passing, he he didn't 
he didn't have any huge mistakes. He didn't turn the ball over, but you know, 35 attempts for 170 yards and not, not a great uh, <laughs> yards per attempt number there. And uh, definitely, he lucked out on a cut. He threw a, he threw one ball in particular right to the defense, and uh, he was lucky that wasn't picked off. Missed a big play with Jeremy Curley on a pass play over the middle, but he didn't make any huge mistakes. But again, he looks uh, the 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 49ers aren't going to. I mean. Blaine Gabbard isn't going to put the 49ers on his back and take them anywhere this season. I think that's pretty clear. And, uh, right. hey man, and Kaepernick still looms. And he got he a does. nice little round of applause when he entered the game in the fourth quarter there to hand it off a few times. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, that that's probably just based on past. And, yeah, we remember when you were good and you you brought us back from the depths of despair. Right. But, I mean, back to Gabbard real quick. You said he's, he's not going to carry this team, but I also don't think he's going to be the reason the 49ers – do poorly this season either he just seems like a game manager he's out there he looks confident when he's taking the steps he looks confident when he's making the read down the field too i mean you saw it time and time again first option second option sometimes third option run you know it's not like kaepernick where it's first option not there i'm going so that that was definitely fun to see um carlos hyde obviously had had a an impressive night again not the best yards per carry 23 carries 88 yards, but he scored the two touchdowns and and him and Gabbert looking solid on that uh, that read option. Yeah, absolutely. Making the right reads and Carlos Hyde was patient. Sometimes it wasn't there. I mean, obviously the Rams, the, the Rams game plan coming in was stop Carlos Hyde. Right. And uh, right. just I like mean, the 49ers needed to stop Carlos coming in. And yeah. they, they were they probably had the exact same game plan. Stop the other guys running back and you know let that quarterback beat us because we don't think he can. Exactly. It worked and for the so, 49ers defense. It did not work for the St. Louis defense. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that was the 49ers offensive line being much better than the Rams offensive line. And you got to credit Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde's a really good player if he can stay healthy. But, man, he takes a lot of hits, and, and he got mm-hmm. beat up in this game. Some of those hits, you see him go down thinking, oh, uh, is he going to stay down for a while or is he going to pop back up? Uh, and, he, and he popped back up. I think he called for uh, the backup a couple of times where he's like, yeah, get me out of this game real quick. Yeah, I didn't like seeing him in there in the fourth quarter taking those big shots and I everything. Was I was thinking the same like, thing. Come on, come on. We got Mike Davis for this, you know? Exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing. They finally did get Davis in there, but not until the end when Kaepernick came in. And Anthony Davis. Nice to see him getting a little appearance there at the end. Gosh, Anthony Davis. I don't even know what to think about that guy. Just I the know, last wrinkle just before the first game of the season. I, what is? Do we still even know what his deal is? Maybe we can ask Grant a little bit more about that. He he doesn't want to play guard or something. I, I, I have no idea what his deal is anymore. Yeah, Chip Kelly calls it a miscommunication between the two of them. But apparently <laughs> that miscommunication is gone. So yeah. Oh, I thought you wanted to play. My bad. Okay, you yeah. don't. All right, that was a miscommunication. <laughs> hey, real quick, let me talk about uh, Shane uh, Shane Drawn, as they kept calling him. Yeah, oh, Berman. that was driving me nuts. Uh, it's about time for Berman to hang it up. I would well, say. It wasn't just Berman, too. I mean, even <laughs> when they went to like the halftime show, they they were calling him Drawn then, too. I was like, ah, come on, guys. Come on, guys. So do your homework. Well, they thought it rhymes uh, with his first name, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They're both spelled uh, A-U, too. They both have the odd spelling, so maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Or they could just, you know, I'm ask. trying to help him out, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the fumble by Drone was, was really annoying to me because he was just doing too many moves and he wasn't covering up the ball. And if you look, too, on the replay when it freezes, like as the ball's coming out, there are literally seven defenders around him. And he's standing there with the ball out in one arm. It's like, come on, guy. Yeah, he, know where I mean, you are. He didn't expect the hit from behind. But at the same time, there's you're surrounded by defenders. Where are you going to go? Cover up the ball. Get what's there, and let's go. Let's go take another snap. Yeah, I mean, other than that, he looked pretty solid too in the game. You know, that was that was fun to see the backup. 
Um, you mentioned Torrey Smith, just kind of, you know, not there. Uh, back to Gabbert real quick. He targeted the running backs five times. He targeted tight end seven times. So, I mean, that's kind of kind of his thing. Not to mention just that it was check down, check down, check down all night long. But it worked. You know, it kept they kept getting first down. They had 28 first downs in this game. Yeah, 28! To, to only 10 for the Rams. And there, one of the big things going around Twitter last night was uh, the tweet about the Rams um, series. And it was punt, 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 interception, punt, 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 interception, Loss of downs, punt or something like yeah. it was just a, it was insane to see how the just see them lined up like that and see how all those series ended for the Rams. Just a dominant performance from the 49ers at home. Uh, one quick thing about the running back usage you mentioned, and I think one thing that's clear, and uh, we, we were kind of wondering if if Sean Drone was going to be maybe the third down passing back and how carries were going to be distributed there. But it's if Carlos Hyde is healthy and not tired, it, he's going to be in the game. Yeah. And yeah, you're drone, exactly right. You you mentioned it. He called for his backup a couple times, but other than that, it was like, oh no, I'm in the game. I'm staying in the game. Right. So it's not a, it's not a passing down. It's not an early down versus third down sort of a, a timeshare thing. It's Carlos Hyde, and then his backups will come in when he's not ready to go. Right. Right. And you know, I, I wrote down uh, a couple names in this game too, just of of people that I just kept seeing around the ball. I kept seeing around the ball, and one that really stood out to me too was on special teams. It was Tart. Tart. I mean, yep. did you see him just tracking down Tavon Austin all night? Absolutely. He was bottling Honestly. him up, and even on his big run, he still was able to take the angle on him and, and keep him from having an even bigger gain. So that was awesome to see. Yeah, Tart is huge and athletic. That play he had where he was uh, bearing down on Case Keenum late in the game. Yeah, he's got jumps. hops. Oh, he did. He could have thrown down a nasty dunk on that. He was way up in the air. And it was funny oh, yeah. because he was up in the air before he threw the ball. So he had nowhere to land but on top of Keenum. You can't <laughs> throw a flag on that. He was already in the air, right? Yeah. He's not going to stop midair. No, no. And how big did DeForest Buckner look? Oh, yeah. And and Armstead. These guys are huge. Yeah. Somebody, uh, I, was, I was on uh, Football Focus or Fantasy Football Focus or something. Uh, Field Yates referred to them as the 49ers Twin Towers. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty solid. Yeah, absolutely. Weird thing to say just after 9-11, but... But maybe it's, you know, paying homage. No, right? yeah, I know. I just... Ode 2. Ode 2, okay. I like it. Yeah. Bowman all over the field, yes. as usual, gets the interception. Ray Ray Armstrong coming up with a pick as well. Armstrong yeah. is that second linebacker. He has to be. And I was surprised even to see Gerald Hodges early in the game. He was, I think he had started, right? He was the, he was yeah. the first middle linebacker in there, and then he disappeared, and it was Ray Ray the rest of the way. And it kind of, uh, that kind of sounds nice. Ray Ray does the rest of the way. Uh, Ray Ray it, the rest of the way. <laughs> it should be Ray Ray's uh, job there. Hey, how about Quentin moment. Dial, too? How solid did he look? Yeah, he, dude, Dial and Armstead and that that defensive line can move people around. And I love that. They are, they're stout, but they're also long. And they shock people. They control them with their hands. They're able to shed blockers. And that's going to be huge to stop in the run. Armstead was much better staying in his lane and not, over pursuing or just completely screwing up the the run defense, so that that's a big key too. Is they played as a unit on the defensive line to bottle up the run. It wasn't just you know one on one matchups, one guy blowing up the offensive line. It was it was as a unit. Let Bowman come in and make the tackle. You know, yeah, and even and Brooks got some pressure too. He got picked up a sack there. Uh, just just all overall just solid defense. And real quick, I got to get pay a little homage to our. Uh, to our man last year that we loved at first and then started to mm, sort of <laughs> fell out of favor with come the middle of the season. Bradley Pinion. Yeah. He actually punted pretty well. High kicks. He's really, got a really high. He's got a boot for sure. It's that consistency. So a couple other names that I noticed. Well, first of all, Vance McDonald did not drop mm-hmm. a pass. Right. 
Couldn't believe it. Yeah, and that that's that possible. Yeah, exactly. Touchdown pass that might be a big connection this season is is Gabbert to McDonald. Uh, Garrett Selleck though also looked good. He had an awesome block where he kicked out uh, one of the defenders coming in on yes. that Carlos Hyde touchdown run. Um, and Jimmy Ward, not only in coverage, but man, he will come in and he will hit you. I saw him attack a, a lead blocker. I don't think it was the fullback. He came in and crushed the blocker so somebody else could come in and make the tackle on, on one play. So that, yeah, Ward flying around the field, and he's yeah, looking pretty good in I coverage. I like he was blitzing a lot. They were blitzing a lot of defensive backs. Yeah, Jim O'Neill, that's going to be part of his scheme as well. They were blitzing linebackers, corners, and safeties at different times. So, And I think that's part of his deal. He wants to get home before the coverage can break down. So he wants to pressure the quarterbacks. And so... We might see some problems if we get a nimble quarterback, someone that evades the pressure and then can make a play downfield where you've used all, you know, you got one-on-ones down the field and you can't get there and pressure the quarterback. So that'll be something to look for, especially in this week two matchup with a quarterback like Cam Newton and who could be a, a very angry Cam Newton coming off that week one loss for the Panthers. Yeah, and you, it's funny if you look at the the stat lines from both Carolina uh, and San Francisco on offense, they're nearly identical. I mean, oh, total offense, Carolina's 19th, 49ers 21st. Passing, 26th to 27th. Rushing, 2nd to 5th. Points, that's where it's different. You know, it's 21st to 9th, but it's only an 8-point difference. So they're they're extremely similar. Their they're defenses also both stout in the first week. I mean, yeah, uh, the 49ers were going up against the Rams, and they do appear to be quite possibly the worst team in the NFL right now, but... You know, they, they come in with the second, pretty much first or second ranked defense, look on, you know, based on where you're looking. Whereas Carolina's right there in the top 10, sometimes even ranked in the top five. So it, it's one of these things where the Car- the Panthers have this huge rest. I mean, what do they have? Four extra days to rest, and, and it's at Carolina. I mean, it's this is going to be a tall task for the 49ers. Yeah. The biggest question I have is with Cam Newton do, are we going to see an angry Cam Newton or are we going to see a concussed Cam Newton? Yeah, I mean, is he going to be a little bit, you know, more hesitant to run the football based on how many times he got hit by that Denver defense? And if last night, you know, means anything, this 49er defense is fast and they're going to hit you too. So, Cam, you better be ready. After watching last night, I have a whole new respect for the 49ers. You know, going in, you have high hopes. You're like, yeah, this could be it. We could, you know, we were calling six six wins, you know, maybe, maybe seven. And after last night, in my, I, I've hit reset. I give them a clean slate. Prove it. You know, prove you're not good. I've seen I've seen the good 49ers. Bring it. Go out there. Show us something in Carolina. This is a Cam Newton team. Cam Newton didn't throw. He his numbers are extremely similar to Gabbert's. He was 18 of 33 for 194 yards. What what's the difference? You know? If anything, he was less efficient. And he threw an interception. So if anything, Gabbert had a better game. I'm sure he rushed for 54 yards, but what is that? That's only nine more yards than Gabbert. I, I totally agree. With everything you said, I, I mean, it's so similar to what happened last year. It's freaky. Uh, the, the schedule makers are, are kind of just toying with 49ers fans, I think, at this point because, um, you know, a really good matchup on that second Monday night game, and then you're traveling across the country to play a really good team with a really good quarterback after playing a bad team with a bad quarterback, and they've had since Thursday to prepare for this game. 49ers coming off a short week and flying across the country. I. I just think that if you're there, you're you're setting yourself up for a big letdown if you don't go in expecting the 49ers to lose this game to last year's MVP and Cam Newton, a team that almost ran the table last season. Oh, I, I've got 
you know, no, no disillusions here. <laughs> I, I definitely don't expect the 49ers to win this game, but going into the season, you looked at it and you thought, oh man, that's going to be a blowout. And I don't have that feeling anymore. I feel like the 49ers can hang tough in this game. Again, everything is stacked against them right now, but you know, maybe those hard hits to Cam Newton will do something. You know, maybe, maybe he will be a little more tentative to run the football. Maybe they will really just try to slow the game down. Uh, just, you know, eat up the play caught, give it to Jonathan Stewart a lot. And I think that if they do that, that might play right into the 49ers hands with, you know, captain check down back there. And and if Hyde can get anything going against that defense, who knows, man, a, a turnover here or there, uh, Jeremy Curley breaks a punt for a touchdown. Who knows? I am on the Jeremy Curley bandwagon. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I have noticed that. And uh, I, I don't know what I'll say it again. Was Bruce Ellington just not, that good because he doesn't look any worse. He might look better than Bruce Ellington looked in the preseason and last season. And he looks quick. He looks decisive. He looks like he can handle himself on punt returns. He's not going to be a liability there. And it's, I don't know, is it Chip's offense where that, that slot position, is it just the, the Rams kind of didn't know what they were going to see from the 49ers? That's another thing is now a team like the Panthers has a, a, a whole game's worth of film on Chip Kelly's 49ers. So they can kind of um, and I'm sure the 49ers didn't use all their bullets because they didn't have to. They could kind of just dial it down at the end of that game. But it's going to get tougher, and it's a tougher team. I, I'm still afraid of what happened last year. So I, I'll, if it's a competitive team and, and they play the Panthers tough on the road after a short week for the Niners, a long week for the Panthers, man, I'll, I'll be with you, man. I'll tip my cap and I'll say, hey, this this team could possibly do something this year, and the slate is clean. But for now, I'm going to hold – I'm going to reserve judgment until I see this second game against the Panthers. Yeah, I, I think you have to. I mean, you, going into the season, the Rams had a extremely highly ranked defense. You know, it's not like they were going up against some scrubs. Yeah, we're, we're saying it today that they look like one of the worst teams in football. But we were saying the same thing about the Vikings last year. So maybe there is something that could be said for the 49ers going up against a tough defense in, in, in week one and really just showing their dominance. That offensive line was solid and that and that is despite Zane Beatles and his extremely poor play because he was going up against one of the best players in the in the NFL you know bar none and, and Carolina doesn't have that guy you know yeah they have a great defense they're, they're definitely going to bring it but you know they don't have Josh Norman either out there so I, I feel like if anything Carolina has taken a step back from where they were a year ago and the 49ers have definitely taken a few step forward I'm not saying that they're anywhere near each other yet but I like the direction that the 49ers are heading. I'm with you on that. And you're right. The 49ers offensive line isn't going to face a defensive front that's that's really any better than the, the team that they faced right. yesterday. So that you're right on that count that it's as far as the, the defensive line of the, the Rams, that isn't where they lost that game, and that's not where their weakness is as a team. So when you're dominating that much with the 49ers defense against the Rams offense, you don't have to do that much, you know, on offense. So that was Luckily for the 49ers, they could just kind of say, okay, let's just do what we want. Let's just pound it. You know, whatever. Carlos Hyde's maybe they're starting to bottle him up a little bit here. Who cares? Let's just keep pounding it because we don't have yeah. to do anything else. So when we start getting a, a tight game, maybe the 49ers are down third and longs. That's when we might start to see some problems uh, against some teams because I don't know if Gabbert can get out of that third and long situation much. And as long as the 49ers defense is there and they are able to get off the field on third downs and they're able to bottle up the run like they showed they can – they can be in every single football game, and that's going to be a, a much more fun season to watch than what we saw last year. 
No doubt. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Plus, the, you know, something we didn't see at all last night? Stretching the field. You know, there was that one pass over the middle where he overshot Curly, but no shots to Torrey Smith deep. You know, None. Quentin Patton had a couple of, of nice catches on the outside. Did he fumble twice out of bounds, too? Or yeah. am I crazy? He did. He did. Yeah. He I was, was like, come on, dude. You're getting pretty lucky here. Like, hold on yeah. to that football. He's a weird dude. And I, I, I kind of like Quentin Patton just because he's out there a little bit. Um, and I like his – I don't know what – somebody is probably more hip than me and knows what his touchdown dance is. I have no idea what that thing is he does. But I like it. It makes me laugh. <laughs> and just the way he plays, he's he plays like a kid. He's really exuberant out there. And, yeah, hold on to that ball, man. He got yeah. knocked out a couple times out of bounds. Neither time was a problem, obviously, because he didn't lose him. But, you know. He, he caught all five of his targets. Yeah. I respect that. Oh, he's quick. And he can play. Like, he, I always said that he's a better route runner and he's better at – receiver than than Bruce Ellington was. And so he can get open. He can catch the ball. I like him on the other side across from Torrey Smith. But I'm with you uh, with the downfield shots. I was screaming at the TV when the when the 49ers offense was sort of stagnant in the middle of the game and it was 14-0. I was like, man, they are loading up against the run and Carlos Hyde. Take a play-action shot down the field. You got Torrey Smith over there. What are you doing? They didn't take a single shot. And that was yeah. puzzling. Well, it's funny, too, you mentioned that because – the opposite happened in the in the first Monday night game, the Steelers Redskins game. Is the Redskins or the Steelers had a lead? It was fourth and one. Everybody knew they were going to run, but no, they throw it deep to Antonio Brown. Like, okay, I get it. Antonio Torrey Smith is not Antonio Brown, but you know, just throw it up. You know, even though on second down, throw it deep, overthrow him. Let the, make the defense know that you're not. Everything's not going to be short. You're not going to run it all the time. You got to clear out the box a little bit by by stretching the field. You have to give your guy a chance. Torrey Smith's really good at getting those. Defensive PIs, too. We've talked about that before on the show. There's no reason to not throw it up to Torrey Smith if he's one on one. And you got to make the defense respect that, too, because then maybe you maybe they take a step back from Carlos Hyde in that situation. There's so many things that can happen if they don't have any threat for a, a deep pass. They don't you know, why would they even care? Yeah. And, you know, something great Steve Young said last night, too, he was I guess he was talking to Chip Kelly and and Chip Kelly basically said, you know, as long as the quarterback understands what he's seeing out there, there's an answer for everything in his offense. You know, if he sees a zone, there's an answer for that. If he sees a blitz, there's an answer for that. You know, he, he has the answers there. And it looks like Gabbert is making the right decisions. All the throws weren't there. Of course not. But it was game one. I, I, I like the fact that he didn't he didn't lose the game. I don't think he's going to lose the game. I. I don't know if he can win the game if they fall behind. You know, I don't know if they have the weapons. I mean, if you look at their drive chart, these were some long drives, too. Nine plays, ten plays, nine plays, seven plays. You know, it was, it, it, there, there's no big plays in there. But maybe they weren't showing all. You know, they, they didn't fire all their bullets because, like you mentioned earlier, they didn't have to. We didn't really mention Chip Kelly. Got to tip my cap to him. And one thing that I'm very much looking forward to all season long and that continuing, and it looked good last night, is just a well-coached football team. And the 49ers came out well-oiled week one last season, so I want to see if that continues with short weeks and short turnaround times. But, man, yeah, a a well-coached team. We've talked about the talent around the roster is a little bit better in some places, a lot better in other places. Mistake-free football from Gabbert, is that enough to have a playoff team? Is that enough to have, you know, an 8-8, eight and eight, a 10? <laughs> you said the P word. I like it. I, I, yeah, That's the goal, right? I mean, of it course. sucks as a fan to sit here and say, oh, please don't be the worst team in football. We did that you last know? year. All right. So, <laughs> you know what? You and I, have been, we've been we've been chatting up, you know, what we saw from week one. We've been looking ahead to week two. Let, let's talk to Grant Cohn. Let's see what he's got to say. All right. Let's do that. 
All right, he covers the 49ers for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Follow him on Twitter at Grant Cohn. That's C-O-H. And Grant, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thanks for spelling out my last name. It can get confusing. Yeah, I want to make sure people can find you on Twitter. That's kind of important. Hey, so Grant, big showing last night for the 49ers. Kind of reminiscent to 2015, coming out looking great, making another team look really bad. We've broken it down. We've gone over it. We would love to hear your takeaway from the 28-0 victory of the 49ers last night. Well, the thing I've been thinking about this afternoon was actually the most impressive showing was Jim O'Neill and the defense. Uh, the offense was, they put up 28 points. Uh, they didn't get that many yards per play. They, they were, they were, they moved the ball sometimes. They didn't move the ball all the time. I thought the defense, I mean, the defense pitched a shutout. So they were extremely impressive and surprising. And my takeaway was that the Rams had no idea what to expect from O'Neill and what to expect from the 49ers personnel on defense. They had no clue. Uh, their game plan coming into the game was to just overpower the 49ers with the run game which has been pretty much Jeff Fisher's game plan every single time he's faced the 49ers going back to when he first got the job. And I guess he sticks with the game plan because it worked the first time back when he had Steven Jackson. But he doesn't have Steven Jackson anymore, and he doesn't have the same blockers. And it was clear within the first quarter that that, that, uh, the Niners were much more uh, powerful at the point of attack than the Rams, and the Rams were going to have to figure out another way to move the ball and to attack Jim O'Neill's defense. And they never even tried to adjust. They just kept uh, slamming Gurley up the middle, from two back formations all night, and it didn't work. So uh, my takeaway is the Niners' defense was fantastic. They weren't challenged at all. They faced a an offense that had no idea what they were doing or, or what uh, the Niners were doing. So um, I don't think it really says much about what's going to happen next week. But it was terrific to see, and it and it was a very reminiscent to last week, last year's Week One, which also ended up not indicating anything. Hey Grant, I want to ask you about Blaine Gabbert. And obviously, he was efficient, no turnovers. Um, I know in the past, I've heard you mention some things about mechanics with him, and I've talked about Gabbert throwing a nasty sinker for a long time on this show, and it drives me crazy. Every time the ball comes out of his hand, the nose of the ball is just pointing straight at the ground, and the ball wants to hit the ground so bad. Uh, But aside from that, and aside from a couple of of miscues, one could have been picked off. Um, Is this Alex Smith part two? What, What do you see Gabbert? How far can the team really go with Blaine Gabbert as the quarterback? I don't think it's Alex Smith part two because Smith is an accurate quarterback, and I don't think Gabbard ever will be, um, although he does other things well, and he's a, gr- a gritty guy, and he leads the team. He does a lot of things well. It's just when the ball leaves his hands, uh, you have no confidence that it's going to go where he wants it to go. Um, but he runs really well. He's tough. And one thing I want to say is if he keeps running the way he ran last night, we're going to see Kaepernick very soon. Uh he, Gabbert took some shots. Clearly he's courageous, but he's not going to last long if he doesn't get down and slide. So uh, my takeaways from last night was he was efficient, he was inaccurate, and he was reckless. And if he keeps playing like that, uh, I, I think he, he could be hurt in like two weeks. I hate to say that. I mean, you never want to predict someone's injury, but, I mean, we kind of see where this is going. He needs to protect himself or else Kaepernick will be in there. So when it comes to Kaepernick, I know you've been – Critical somewhat of Colin Kaepernick in the past, and uh, some have actually accused you of being a cap hater. But uh, you have to admit that the anthem protest has looked more like a team uniter than a team divider, wouldn't you say? You know, I actually disagree with that. Um, But I want to frame it a different way, because to me, Kaepernick had no support in this locker room and this team last year. Um, 
partially because he quit on the team and then he demanded a trade. So he was persona non grata in this locker room. And now by taking the stance, he definitely has certain people on his side, uh, passionately on his side. Clearly, Eric Reed, Eli Harold, Antoine Buffet. So he's gone from a guy who had no support to some support. But Smithamini has the full support. And I, I think uh, certain players on the team, and they'll never say it on the record for obvious reasons, but I think certain players on the team are uh, put off or frustrated, not by his cause, but just by the fact that he's made himself the top news story, the center of attention, the event at the 49ers, more so than the, the team itself. For example, last night after the game, Larry Kruger reported this this morning. Um, Kaepernick spoke after the game. Uh, there was a huge media uh, circle around him. He didn't play in the game, but he wanted to talk. All of a sudden, Kaepernick wants to talk every week. Before, he didn't like to talk. Now he, very, he wants to talk very much, and he wants to talk about social issues, which is fine. But the, the Niners had just won a very big uh, – had a big win. A lot of people played well. And here, the main focus of the evening was Kaepernick and his stance. Uh, Larry Kruger reported that offensive lineman walked by and said there was a football game tonight. And that just shows you that football players by nature are going to be – not upset, but they're going to maybe upset a little bit if someone who's not part of the action is taking the focus away from football. I think it's fair for football players to want the focus to be on football. And what people that, people that support Colin Kaepernick say, well, this issue is much bigger than football, and it is. But as long as he's a football player, his focus is supposed to be the team, the team, the team. And just, just by virtue of taking the stance uh, and speaking on it weekly, um, he, he makes himself the news. It's not the media's fault. He creates the news, and, and the media follows the news, and that's just the way it's going to be. So as long as he's the number one story on the team, I think it's going to rub certain players the wrong way, and I think he'll have certain players in his corner because of the nature of the stance he's taking. I think it's just naturally divisive, and a good head coach wouldn't let a backup quarterback divide the team. Like, look at the Seahawks. They, ha they feel the same way about this issue, but – Pete Carroll found this sort of middle ground where they could, where they could take a stance in unity and, and show that they're still a strong team. Um, and that kind of thing really matters in football where it's, it's, a, it's a military culture. It's all about uh, suppressing your individuality for the betterment of the team. I mean, this goes back decades. So uh, I, I think that it's an example of Colin Kaepernick sort of hijacking the team um, and Chip Kelly not really having a strong grasp of it. I think Chip Kelly's more of a scheme guy, and he thinks his scheme will sort of solve everything. But now he's got a re he needs leadership, and the person who's really leading this team uh, and setting the agenda is Colin Kaepernick. Um, and I don't think that's healthy uh, for a backup quarterback to do that. That being said, this team is going nowhere um, unless you really think last night's win proved something. So um, I guess it's not really going to set the team back any more than they were already set back. It's just I, I think as time goes on, and um, especially after wins, I think p certain players are going to feel like they want the ink, like they deserve the ink. They went out there, they put their their career on the line, they risked injury, they played well, and it, and they want every want uh, the media around them. They want the headlines. I mean, every person has an ego. If I wrote a good article, if I was published in Sports Illustrated or ESPN, and the media came around to interview someone else who hadn't done anything would bother me so i think um i've answered this question for like 10 minutes now uh, I, I don't think i, I think so you, you see what i'm saying I'm, I'm not saying that 
that he's alienated himself from the team. But I think that this just naturally, you can't get 53 players uh, to support a non-football issue like that. It's a, it's a polarizing subject. Hey, back to the game. After that drone touchdown that put the 49ers up 14 nothing, it was like eight minutes left in the second quarter or something. I saw you tweet out, game over. Was that just based yeah. on the 49ers' dominance or just how poor the, the Rams looked? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think. I mean, with that with that quarterback and that offensive game plan, there was no way they were going to score 14 points. And little did I know there was no way they were going to score one point. Um uh, it was clear that their quarterback was awful, and it was clear that their game plan was absurd. I mean, that offensive coordinator made no attempt to stretch the field vertically or horizontally. His entire game plan, the whole game, was to just pound the ball up the middle and then complement that with short throws. And if you go back and watch the film, there's a lot of snaps where Gurley's running into 10 men in the box. Like, that should never happen. It's like we were watching junior college football last night. Uh so yeah, that uh, the Rams. It was it was laughable to see what they actually thought they could uh, do and win this game. I guess it shows um, that they didn't have very much respect or for the Niners' coaching staff, or they just didn't know they just didn't know what to expect from them. Yeah, and based on last year, that's not that surprising. Niners had a a pretty poor year. Moving on to Week Two, Carolina. They've got the rest. They've had time to prepare for this game. It's at Carolina. 49ers short week traveling all the way across country. What's the chances the 49ers are in this game? Yeah, I, I don't want to write them off because I thought they were going to lose the last game and they won. But it just seems like as close to a scheduled loss as, as there could be. You're going across country. You have a short week. The other team has 10 days to prepare. The other team is probably the best team in the NFC. Uh, it just seems like a terrible matchup. Um so I, I expect the Niners to – I wouldn't be surprised if they got blown out. But if they compete in this game, then you really have to start talking about them uh, as a serious team. I just, I just don't expect it. I was, I was watching the game from, uh, from the perspective of, can I take this team seriously? Did I underestimate them? And looking at the defense, you might think yes, but I, I think – that performance was more a uh, product of the Rams having no plan on offense. And then looking at Gabbert, I mean, he's way too inaccurate to think that he's going to lead this team to more than three or four wins. Uh, and it's even, a, uh, it's even a question of whether he can stay healthy. So uh, I don't think last night really changed anything. Grant, I don't know what you had for predictions before the season started. Is, is Did last night at least maybe – give you the opportunity to kind of kind of look at the season and say, man, maybe this is a six-win team instead of a four-win team or an eight-win team instead of a, a seven-win yeah, team. That, that's what I was – that's how I was approaching the game last night. Like, did I underestimate this team? And, and I think my answer still is no. Uh, as soon as the schedule came out, I think most people uh, identified the, the season opener as, as one of the four winnable games, the other ones being against Atlanta, against uh, Miami – and against um, New Orleans, those th- those four games are winnable, and so the Niners took care of business in in, in one of them, which is terrific. But uh, I don't expect them to beat the Patriots. I don't expect them to beat the the, the Cowboys, the uh, the Cardinals. I mean, it's, it's a brutal schedule. I I don't think last night indicates they're going to sniff the playoffs at all. No. He is the 49ers reporter for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Follow him on Twitter at Grant Cohn. Once again, that's C-O-H-N. Grant, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Grant. Hey, 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 hey,
wanted to have a chance to play that amazing Gotta get it in piece there. of music. Yeah, forgot to play it a little bit earlier. Uh, so I the, love the uh, the Beat LA chant going on at Levi Stadium. Yeah, which is the way it should be. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic to see the Rams back in L.A. and the 49ers beat up on them a week one. That was an awesome way to start the season. And uh, no matter what happens, and this could be a rough week coming up. It feels what do you good see happening like this weekend? Well, if we're going to have predictions here, uh, let's see. I'm going to say, I mean, I, there's no way I'm going to predict the win right here. It's just too, this is deja vu from last season. And like Grant said, there's chance for a blowout. And I, I hope the 49ers aren't completely blown out in Carolina, but it could definitely set up that way. Maybe some overconfidence. And hopefully they learned from last year, and hopefully they are a better coach team, a more well-coached team, left some bullets in there, and can keep it can keep it competitive. I, I, I don't know how many points they can score against a team that doesn't punt back to them a thousand times, you know what I mean? So right. <laughs> uh, I, I, have a, I have a tough time against the, the Carolina defense saying that the 49ers will score more than maybe 10 points. So I, I'm going to have, I'm going to say something like 27-10. Oh, see, I, I, I'm going to be called the homer for this. And and maybe I'm buying the hype. But, you know, with, with guys like Joe Staley on that offensive line and, you know, you've got Navarro Bowman on the defense, these guys that can keep these young guys grounded. And, hey, you know, this is you know, this isn't you know, a marathon. You know, it's not a sprint. You know, you got to take it week by week and this and that short week. We got to prep, you know, Chip Kelly. He seems like the kind of guy that can lead a football team. He's done it wherever he's gone. He's doing it so far. I know it's one week in, but I love where the 49ers are headed with this defense. I really think a banged up Carolina team. I, I think this could be a low scoring game. I think it could be old school 13 to 10. I think the 49ers could pull out this win. If you're within one score in the fourth quarter, I mean, that's awesome because that's all it takes. And here's the problem is, and we just talked about it earlier, I don't know if the 49ers have that big play in them. And to, to yeah. knock off a team like that on the road, you got to have some big plays. Um, you would, And if not from the offense, it's got to come from special teams, you know, a pick I six, think the defense, something the defense like that. could score a touchdown easy. Right, a fumble return, I mean, something way, major. Brock and Reed were playing out there. Oh, man, Ward all over the field. We didn't even mention, but they, I mean, you know, th- this is a solid defensive core and, and maybe they score that touchdown and Phil Dawson kicks a couple of field goals and the defense just shuts them down. Two of the touchdowns the 49ers got last week were from the uh, interceptions. So the turnover yeah. directly com- uh, I don't even know what where I'm trying to say, but yeah, if it wasn't for the turnovers, the 49ers might have only won 14-0. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And, and just I I love this defense. I love the direction the offensive line is headed. Hyde is still healthy. I mean, now's the time when you when you back your team and you support them. And, and yeah, everything's stacked against the 49ers here. But look at every game last weekend in the NFL. How many were upsets? How many were like, there's no way this team has a chance, blah, blah, blah. It's the NFL. Any given Sunday, go 49ers. Parody. Parody rules in the NFL, man. And it's funny sure because does. you look at a, just small sample sizes, anything can happen. You're talking about a 16-game season. I mean, weird things can happen in a 16-game sample. You look at Major League Baseball, they play 10 times as many games, right? And so the best team in baseball versus the worst team in baseball, if you took those percentages and put them into football perspective, you'd be talking about the worst team is 7-9, and nine, the best team is 9-7, and seven, right? And that's how <laughs> close it is once you play when you play 162 games versus 16 games. A lot of weird stuff can happen. And I don't know if you played 160 football games, if it would actually work out that way through a football season. I think it's it's tougher <laughs> it would you know, take to win games. Years. In and right, exactly. <laughs> And everyone would be dead, obviously, if you tried to play all those games right. in one season. Be competitive because one play here, one play there, protect the football, 
and good things can happen. And if they are within one score in the fourth quarter, that'll be an awesome football game. By the way, this song is still on. It's five minutes and 24 seconds, and they just repeat this over and over. It's ridiculous. With a solid saxophone <laughs> solo in there, too. Great. And we're going to see the Rams again. again week 17? Is week it week 16? Is it all the way to the end of the season? I don't have I the schedule so. right in front of me. I think they play until the, the very end, maybe maybe week 16. Wow, bookend with the Rams. Okay, that's interesting schedule. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, thanks again to Grant Cohn. Yes, thanks to Grant Cohn. Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Absolutely. And uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock. You can find Nick at Bay Area Wink. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, give us a review. That always helps. We're on SoundCloud. Follow We're us on, on Stitcher. Yeah, Instagram as well. Gold Faithful Podcast. We're pretty much everywhere in the world. You can't go anywhere on the internet and not find something Gold Faithful-ish. Email goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. All of our handles are different, by the way, for everything. How did I that know. happen? It's we, pretty funny. <laughs> we need to try to unify that somehow. <laughs> yeah, we need a better social media team. Just Google Gold Faithful 49er Podcast. You'll find all of our stuff. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we will talk to you next time. It's nice to be 1-0. Hopefully we'll be 2-0. I have no problem being wrong about that prediction for the next game. Amen to that. See ya. See ya.